Dead men tell no tales. Fifteen men loaded in man's chest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. Drink and the devil had done for the rest. Yo ho ho and a bottle of rum. You best start believing in ghost stories. You're in one. There are no survivors. The ship with black sails that's crewed by the damned. Welcome aboard the Black Pearl. Welcome to the Black Pearl Show, a Pirates of the Caribbean podcast where we analyze, scrutinize, and plunder the Pirates of the Caribbean films, and yes, the expanded universe we dabble in history, stress, the euphemisms, and strive to have a hell of a good swashbuckler time each and every week. I couldn't get through swashbuckler. No, what happened there? <laughs> Just kind of, it was like, it was like gra- gravel in my mouth coming out. Something. Swashbuckler. There we go. Swashbuckler time. Each and every week, it's a show where we break down all the Pirates of the Caribbean films, the franchise, you know what I'm talking about here, two blimey minutes at a time, and, like I've been saying lately, it's our escape to a time where disease really did run rampant, and dental hygiene was blasphemy. And we get some good blasphemy dental hygiene in this minute, too. It just continues. Mm. It's like every minute is a fiesta of the dental hygiene Well, we're talking lack, about pirates uh, here. Lack of it. I should say. I'm Scott Artist from dentalhygiene.com. No, <laughs> scottartist.com. I'm Heather Artist from Brock. From Brock. I'm, from Brock. <laughs> I'm sorry. I was saying something else. I'm Heather Artist broadcasting from the Tiki Room. You're in the Tiki Room now, yeah, with the birds. <laughs> it it doesn't a, seem to matter what time of day we do this. The birds always want to chime in. <laughs> I don't know what their deal is. They got to be heard. They're, they're calling yeah. out to Cotton's parrot, <laughs> I guess. I don't know. But Something. It, it's not unusual for you to screw up where you're from and your name and stuff. Well, so I was that going just one right way in. and then it, it just kind of, yeah. You can try and make excuses for your lack of knowing who you are and where you are. But that's really just your dementia setting it. Because we're back for another week. Hope everyone had a great 4th of July with the bombs bursting in air. I mean, it was like... A Pirates of the Caribbean ride out there. Mm, yes. Just cannon fire everywhere. Actual cannon, cannon fire. Cannon fodder. <laughs> no, people are can, cannon fodder. Oh. <laughs> the cannon fire. And of course, we rescued an injured barn owl recently, just yep. the other day. It's been a crazy thing lately with bird rescues and stuff. The shutdown has like been good for wildlife, but it's also been bad for wildlife as things yeah. start to open up. And then when I was even talking with the hospital there for the bird, the owl, they were saying how they've also been getting more reports of birds just hitting windows. And it's not that there's more birds hitting windows. It's more people are at home during the day to see the birds hitting the windows. So it's not like all these birds are dying, but they can't injure themselves. Some are dying, but it's not anything that's more than probably usual. What is more than usual, though, would be potential bird deaths 
and impacts due to cars as they were venturing closer to the roads during a three month shutdown of things. And then all of a sudden stuff starts to open up. People have been speeding more because there's nobody on the road. And then these animals are getting unfortunately hit by cars. Well, we went a few weeks with the bird hitting our windows every couple days. Yeah, we were seeing it. We had to put tape on the window to Thanks try to for warn announcing the... that as we are part of the bird saving contingency. Well, you just go not... ahead and throw that out there. How dare it's not you? our fault that the... nobody got hurt. Well, that's true, but it's still. I mean, we did It's not our per... fault. We took precautions. Yeah, we do have so things what's the on problem? our do have things on we our windows. We don't say birdies come hit our windows. No, but we're supposed to set the example. So now you should have followed it yeah. up with we put stuff on our I windows did. and all. Did you? Yeah, I don't know go back and listen. I'm not going to go back. Hold on, everybody. Wait a second. I'm going to rewind the the old school tape here. <laughs> listen to that. <laughs> yeah. But maybe, yeah, maybe Urban Bird needs to have some decals and things for people's windows, mm. some clings. I don't know. That's something we can work on. But this is not about that. This is a pirate show. It's save those birds out there, people. That's one thing. Pirates need birds. That's another thing. That's the connection. But here we're talking pirates. That's my fact of the week is about birds. And I just told you that. So the question is, what's your fact of the week? What's your pirate fake news of the week? If we can tag on to things. <laughs> there we go. That's Pirate that, fact of the week. Maybe that's what I need to be saying. Is It's not fact of the week. It's fake news. Pirate fake news of the week. Fact. Bears eat beets. Bears. Beets. Captain Jack Sparrow, pirate so brave, on the seven seas. Okay, my last one was false. <laughs> Pirates really potentially false. Do, potentially false. There's, There's no, no corroborating evidence for that. It's besides, I guess, people in the internet. Yeah, have done that. Got supposedly. me again. This is why I got to do all the research. Well, you know, that's just the way it is. Did I got to do that too? Oh my god, the workload is just incredible for me. But my pirate fact of the week is actually on parrots. Yes. Birds. It's what's for birds. dinner. <laughs> Support birds. <laughs> Get some honey mustard with that. <laughs> what? <laughs> it just slipped out. Go ahead. <laughs> Whatever, dude. <laughs> and there's pirate fact of the week is birds are delicious deep fried. No. <laughs> with some barbecue sauce. Some dipping sauce, if you will. Okay. What is the actual pirate fact of the week? Parrots or other animals on ships. Okay. As companion animals. So it's almost certainly grounded in reality that the pirate trope is true. With the parrots and the yeah. stuff? Yeah. Colin Woodard, author of The Republic of Pirates, mm -hmm. did a report regarding, he did a bunch of research talking yeah. to pirate experts. Yeah. And he said that the uh, Long John Silver was the actual of Treasure Island yeah. was the actual first pirate on television showing with a parrot. Probably literature, television, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fictional character. Uh-huh. Fictional okay. account yeah. of a pirate toting parrot or a parrot toting pirate. A pirate toting a parrot. There we go. According to Woodard and other experts in the field of classic piracy, this was based on real truth. Hmm. There you go. Yeah. On long trips. Pets were desired, but um, you'd need to be careful in what kind of pet you have. Like having a cow on board wouldn't work out. They eat too much grass. So grass on there board. There was a cow on board. That became hamburger. <laughs> exactly. Give me more food than, yeah. <laughs> than pets. 
Um, things like, you know, the, I'm sorry, the long voyages will get lonely and boring and having a companion animal, maybe a goat, (laughs) companion animal on board would help with, to entertain people. Uh So, you know, maybe a cat on board could help keep the pests down. Yeah. You know, set them free on board. But cats eat a little bit more. I guess you could give them scraps. Or the mice that they're catching. And they eat, yeah, they eat the mice they're catching. That's true. Dogs on board. You got the dogs, but they, they eat a little more than... Yeah. Than dogs like, weren't really a big pet back in that era. Dogs were more um, aristocrat. The aristocrats. The aristocrat type level of... Yeah. Not the... Plundering. Not type. everybody was having dogs because they could barely feed themselves, let alone feeding dogs. Right, so they needed right. animals that were going to serve a purpose. So a large pet would be difficult on yeah. going on sea going, like the, the cow we were talking about. Um, but you have these birds. Yeah. And the birds are brightly colored. They talk the parrots. And being in the trade routes, they could easily come by the birds and the monkeys. They could mm. come by easily, and neither animal ate a lot. And, like, the birds would eat a lot of seeds and stuff, and that's easy to store on board uh-huh. without taking up a lot of room. And you just store them away. They're small animals. and Yeah. There you go. Talking birds. And I know that that was something that was even written about way, 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 way back. I'm talking Egypt, Greece, about stories about how birds could talk like humans and they could learn everything. And so that was even written accounts and people were like, what in the hell? So that was kind of in the the beginning of bird ownership stuff. Oh yeah. So there we go. Okay. Bird, bird theme. It is on pirate fake news of the week or cows or cows. In the previous minutes, Disney takes us back to yesteryear, to a nostalgic time that has continued to delight fans for more than 50 years. Keep your hands inside the ride at all times and enjoy the animatronics. On your left is a smirking East India Company official taking a gander at a cabin boy who gets the noose. Up ahead, we threaten a woman softened by an encore duet of Hoist the Colors. Minute 7 begins with Tai Huang continuing particularly a woman alone. Barbosa is heard responding, what makes you think she's alone? As he approaches Tai and the gang. Tai and the gang, that's like... Tai <laughs> and... It's a musical group from the 70s. <laughs> Minute eight ends with Barbosa and Elizabeth walking to their pirate rendezvous in conversation about Sal Fang. He's much like myself, but absent my merciful, merciful, man, that's such a Gibbs. My merciful nature, there we go. My <laughs> merciful nature and sense of fair play. There's a knock on a door and the screen goes black. Kind of right about where we end there for this minute. Kind of starts to come back. But if you go right down to the needle there, I like to end it on the black because it's kind of a death note. Did you notice Barbosa makes the same grand entrance as he did in Dead Man's Chest? Oh, yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah. I mean, what's with that? Was this like a planned callback to remind everyone that Barbosa's return from Curse of the Black Pearl? I mean, it's so freaking similar to the end of Dead Man's Chest. It really is. It's yeah. like It's like they carbon copied it and just slapped it on the front of this movie. Well, Barbosa is the type to make grand entrances. Well, I, I agree with that. And I agree with the whole thing. It's just weird that it's almost exactly the same, though. Because it's the unexpected interruption off camera. Dead Man's had the peg leg knock coming down the stairs. You also kind of hear him walking down the stairs a little bit. Not quite as pronounced. And then we also have like a disembodied voice kind of 
off camera. We hear him talking. Barbosa responding to, to uh, Huang about Elizabeth not being alone. You know, he's walking down the stairs. I don't know. It's just a bit weird. I get that Barbosa is kind of like this kick-ass pirate, like you're saying. But it seems like we just rehash the entrance a bit. Right? You don't think so? I don't find it weird. I don't... I think it's weird that they use that same thing. I don't find it weird in the movie. And I say this only for commentary. Like, I don't actually have a problem with it. I'm not bothered by it at the least here. But I find it an interesting, like, director's choice, a writer's choice, something like that. I mean, who's that for? The hardcore Pirates of the Caribbean fans? Barbosa fans to have him kind of make this grand entrance again? In a supposed grand entrance. It's not as grand or surprising as that, but it is kind of like a... A surprise entrance, though. Yes, but I think it starts the beginning of everybody's entrance into this land. Well, I agree with that. Not land, per se, but land. (laughs) Because you have, obviously, Barbosa knew exactly where Elizabeth was going to be. Yeah, because they're meeting them. And then we're not there yet, but in the next minute, you have the rest of the crew joining. But it's all this... Pre-planned meeting up of everybody. Yeah, I, I get that. I mean, it seems like we all expect Barbosa to show up. I mean, given his reveal in the previous movie. Yeah. So to drop him like this doesn't have, I think, the same impact that it did in the other, the end of Dead Man's Chest, where you weren't expecting it at all. And maybe it's not even striving to do that. Yeah. No, and I, it's, it's possible it's not even meant to be some kind of grand entrance. It's just, I think it's a little interesting the way he pops up in that it's so similar yeah. to how he pops up at the end of Dead Man's Chest. That's what I'm saying. Because here, you're right. It's all about the usual sp- suspects. So all the suspects are convening at the rendezvous here. Right. You know, they're doing their rendezvous at the end of the street or the cafe, whatever the hell that... <laughs> That guy's song is. What did I can't even think of his name now? Rocket Man. What the hell's his name? Elton John. <laughs> Elton John. I was gonna say Phil Collins, and I was just like, what the hell's going on here? Elton John. Okay, they're at this rendezvous, but it feels Phil like it's Collins. a Mission Impossible thing. I don't know what happened there, mm-hmm. or better yet, it's like an Ocean's Eleven or Twelve or Thirteen entrance, whatever. Okay, everyone who's split up, it's like they've all gone their separate ways. And now they're coming back together. They're all popping up for the sequel from their separate lives and locations. That's kind of what this is like. Yeah. That's the same scene that we've seen in Oceans (laughs) 11 through 13 and whatever else has gone on there. Right. You know, they just kind of show up in their different ways. Right. Well, it's a plan, almost like a planned attack coming from all different directions. Well, I, I, well, for one thing, I mean, I get... I mean, it's not exactly that same thing, but I get that there's a need to be on the sly here. Obviously, you can't have a group of these six pirates just sauntering down the cobble street when you have Mercer and other British soldiers patrolling here. I mean, then there's a network of spies hanging around. So it does make sense. From a narrative point, from a storytelling point, it fits everything that's being spun here. But my, and I don't have a problem with it. I always liked when they do that. I don't. Have the creative choice on that. All I was originally saying was is Barbosa's entrance is similar to the Dead Man's Chest entrance. With yeah. the stairs and him showing up. Yeah. That's all. I just thought it was an interesting like parallel. Oh, okay. I'm not saying I didn't like it. I so actually it like weird, Barbosa. So. Well, it's weird. I didn't say weird 
from that, it's weird from the perspective of the director. It's like they said, hey, that really worked well at Dead Man's Chest. How about we put... Everybody clapped. <laughs> yeah. How about we put that at the beginning of this movie? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. I mean, I really do like the entrance because it plays off the Barbosa Elizabeth thing. He's not the sneak up behind you with a knife kind of to your throat dude anyways. Yeah. His reputation precedes him. That's his M.O. He makes the grand entrance. He makes the entrance. That's what he does. And that opens up the entire underlying theme, I think, for these two minutes. It's not about the meeting or the plan or whatever it is. It's the showcasing of Elizabeth's continued growth. The strong pirate she's become or continues to become. Yeah. Because Huang gives us the 18th century stereotypical woman can't hold her own reminder here. So we get that. Yeah. Barbosa makes the standing ovation entrance, that I'll call it. And Elizabeth takes the opportunity that she's not just alone, but that she doesn't even, that doesn't even matter because her response is to surprise him with a knife to the throat. So it's like, she's doesn't care if somebody's there to protect her or not. And it's all a diversion. Because even freaking Barbosa kind of has to tamper her down a bit here. Yeah. It's like, let's not go cutting up our contacts here. We still got an agenda to move forward. <laughs> right. Like, don't slice his neck, please. <laughs> we don't need that right now. And she kind of gives the motion of like, all right. Yeah. I really wanted to cut this guy. Right. <laughs> she's now battle hardened. She's just. Yeah. She's a woman scorned, I guess. Not maybe that's a stereotype now too. But yeah. the woman scorned after she fed Depp, or Depp, Jack Sparrow to the Kraken. She's got a lot of built up energy, anger, built up yeah. anger. Yeah. And this guy just comes at her with the, "You shouldn't even be out here as a woman alone." And she's just like, "You know what, buddy? I just killed Captain Sparrow. I'm slicing your face off." <laughs> that's that's the kind of like. And then Barbosa gives the. Come on, we got to do the meeting. And then she's just like, whatever. You know what? You owe me a dead body here that I get to cut up. <laughs> that's how <laughs> I see her, her look like. That's one in the bank. And I'm cutting somebody before this day is through. You don't get the, with the look on her face and stuff, you don't get the, I'm trying to act sexy look. Well, that's different. <laughs> well, definitely that. But that's part of what she does, right? Isn't that yeah. part of her thing? It's just a... She's got him around the neck and she's trying to act sexy. That's just weird. Sexy pirate? Halloween costume. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? You know what I mean. I know what you're talking about. She kind of has the mouth agape. She's not, yeah, she's look. not looking like she's a woman scorned and, you know, going to attack this dude. She's looking like, like oh, scorned. yeah, look at me. Well, I'm so beautiful Well, up here. I think that's different. Than wow, you're coming off of his hatred of Elizabeth there. As opposed to when I'm <laughs> okay, talking about her the... Okay, mouth, her mouth just bugs the hell out of me. When I'm talking about the growth of her character and you're you're now beating her down for being a strong, independent woman type, send all your love mail to Scott at the Black Pearl Show. Anyways, at the end of the minute, because I need to avoid that... <laughs> She and Barbosa are walking to the meeting with Sal Fang, and then there's like this calm down advice that he gives her. The the mind your place thing, you know? If we've seen anything with Elizabeth, is that her time of so-called minding her place was dropped in the ocean like her dress back in Curse of the Black Pearl. That time has passed, Barbosa. She's a pirate. She's a, approaching the ruthless pirate stat, state here. Do what you need to do to survive. Capitalize on the, you know, people like Huang under underestimating her next time he should estimate her that's exactly. all i have to say 
Before you actually get to the end of the minute. I'm not getting to it. I'm just all over the place today. I'm not like going in order. Because all this stuff is interconnected by the theme of her growing as a person. Mm. That's the interconnection here that I'm talking about. So it's not like a breakdown of the minute. It's an Elizabeth thing. It's an Elizabeth thing here. Because you see her. She uh, One, she's the one who you first see in this like... East Asia reference thing or whatever yeah. we want to call it. Because we don't, we haven't been informed where we're actually at yet. She's the one we follow. She's the one who is singing the hoist the colors. She's the one who encounters Huang and then all this stuff. So it, it really is showing the the change that she d- was from the very first Curse of the Black Pearl, yeah. even though she had a strong nature to her. This is showing like the complete evolution of that. Right. Like I said, Huang should be estimating her, not underestimating her. Exactly. Because all the, uh, and of all the people, Barbosa is the one to suggest she mind her place. And I don't take that as like, he's saying that you need to be subservient to men or take that position. No, but you need to watch yourself. That's exactly it. This we is need the, this deal. Yeah. We're dealing with the current times. This South Fang guy could be a man of the times and hold back your instinct to cut his face off so we can get the job yeah. done. Bite your tongue if you need to so we can get, you know, keep our eye on the ball here. Let's keep the prize Play in sight. Nice. Yeah. So it's don't do what your instinct is telling you to do. Let's just let's let's keep to the plan. Because Elizabeth is a young teenager that doesn't know how to hold her tongue. Well, she's. Kind of moved that direction where because she was in the Curse of the Black Pearl, she did and she went that direction because that's the evolution of her character. It's just inc- like this incredible change from Curse of the Black Pearl. The elements were there. She just refined them over the last two films. Barbosa's giving her and us this kind of let's not ruin our chances at the parlay of sorts, this negotiation, whatever's coming up, which shows us how far she has come because she once played the parlay card and now. Barbosa is the one who's holding her back. Right. And it's funny because he also drops the line that Fang doesn't have his mercy or sense of fairness. Because to some extent, it's not what we actually think of Barbosa based on our last interactions with him or our upcoming interactions with him. But in a way, this is how we've come to view him in subsequent movies. Mm, yeah. It's not necessarily that, but to some degree, it's the same. Because what we know about him so far. He does play by the pirate code, which has an element of fairness to it in a way. Pirate fairness. From a certain point of view, right? And then he also exhibits some mercy by marooning Jack and Elizabeth on Rum Runner's Isle as opposed to dropping them in the middle of the ocean or just killing them. Yeah. So he has some mercy. He has some fairness attached to him. And so if we think that Bar- if it's kind of that funny moment of like, well, that's Barbosa who just says it. He's not, you know, he doesn't have his fairness and mercy. And you kind of laugh, but then you go, wait, you know, that actually kind of rings true that he does have those qualities. And we even see that as we get more into the movies, up into Dead Men Tell No Tales, that he has that fairness, that mercy. Yeah. And that's an interesting change or getting to know Barbosa more than we did, say, in The Curse of the Black Pearl as we move through the franchise. Right. But Elizabeth... She's the one who goes from strong woman who rebukes her aristocracy, her heritage, her lineage, her legacy that she was building there to be the woman behind Norrington and marry him and be the quiet supporting type too. Now she's in charge. She's a captain kind of thing. She's a pirate. And she's going to slice this guy's face off. 
Well, his throat. Yeah. I like to say face because, you know, she could, I don't know. But you get my, it's just all saying that. That's what I think is is interesting. And then Barbosa is telling her to like, just, let's just be calm about this. Let's not go in there and slay everybody and start a big brouhaha. Right. Ha. Ha ha. For that. So that's what I think is cool about this segment here. The, these minutes is that it really, in two minutes, it packs a reminder of where Elizabeth has come from and how she has evolved as a actual pirate or a pirate dealing with these pirates because before it was like, well, that's not fair. That's not what you said. You promised this. Now it's wait. It's almost like doing, you know, like I'm going to shoot first and then ask questions later. Yeah. As opposed to the other way around, which maybe when she was just dipping her toe into the pirate world was things weren't always as they seem, or it's almost like dealing as we talked about at the time, dealing with a genie or a gin that, you have to be real specific on on how you 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 phrase your wish because there's right. always going to be something coming back. Like, no, you said you would drop me back off, but did I say I was going to drop you back off at the port? Right. No, I didn't. Or I was going to let you go. You're welcome to jump into the ocean. You're free to go. That's the kind of stuff. Yeah. Now she's on the opposite end of that. That's what I like. At about uh, 6.38 of the minute or minutes. 6.38. Yeah, minute six. Okay. <laughs> minute six, 38 seconds. Does that help you when at all? That not that the last time? Because aren't we in minute seven and eight? Yeah, I think we are. No, 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 no. Because we start at minute zero. So no, we're technically doing minute six and seven. How dare you? Are you really going to say that the just because the first minute, it doesn't count as a minute? Because you're not in minute at one? At the timestamp, 638. Okay, the timestamp. Walk the plank. 638, which is yes. actually minute seven. 38 seconds. Okay. Timestamp minutes, or timestamp 638. There we go. Is that better for you? Yeah, because that's reality. But if people were, whatever. Timestamp. I see what you're saying. Timestamp 638. So, you know, I, I go on, um, so I can see all the audio and write it down. Yeah. On there, it, at that minute, it says, no, 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 none. It's not something you actually hear. You don't yeah, there actually seems to, hear anybody saying that. There's some wisp, very almost inaudible whispers happening in the background. I sh- probably should have checked the script to see if there was anything. Yeah, I have that. another one at 7:10. It says it always takes me a week to get my sea legs. I was throwing up horribly last time. Yeah, but those ones where the guards are are very very hard to hear, but they are saying something. So it might be in the script. I'd need to check yeah, that out. You don't That's actually you don't though. hear it, but it. So it it's, shows up in the in the captions, the, close the captions, close captions. Yeah, yeah. Okay. but it's not you can't hear it at all. Hmm. So or it's almost like it. they they got the script. Then do they now? Yeah, that would be an interesting topic. Next time, maybe I'll I'll look into what the how the closed captions are because sometimes there's errors and it's like yeah. So now do they avoid all that? Is that kind of just pre-programmed? Is there some recognition now that happens with text? recognition that they supply the lines and i don't know it'll be interesting maybe i'll look into that there is something else if you since you're talking about noticing things and then plus yes. i said did you notice in the beginning and i'll say that again did you notice that rigetti was using his wooden eye to look to look <laughs> as if the coast was clear through the cracks in the planks oh yeah i mean it's one of those subtle touches that help balance kids being hanged in a wooden <laughs> and then he got the wooden eye joke and then even pentel is a bald Guy joke. Yeah, so he didn't need his coconut hat. So Disney hits us with the 
yeah, we just hang some kids. But hey, look, shiny object. <laughs> Rigetti's looking with his wooden eye. That's not possible. And then uh, Pintel's bald. Ha! <laughs> Then you forget all about the kid who just got yeah, strung up. Don't even remember the kid. I don't remember this. him. Nope. I, I can't even remember his face anymore. Nope. He's just gone. Because I'm so attached to the jokes for, from that. But actually, no. I think the subtle humor, without having some a really big laugh, those are the fun things that that create a kind of a seamless movie. Yeah. With that, it it kind of bridges it nicely from the serious swashbuckler topics and just having a few humorous things that make you smile and. Or things you may not notice right away until you relook at it and you go, he is so looking with his wooden eye through that thing. <laughs> Did you actually see any of the straws come above the water? Or were they just like in the mist line? I didn't. It looked like they, but, and I was wondering, I was kind of noodling that through. I wonder if when they were floating, swimming, floating across that channel there, yeah, that canal, that... Sometimes they would go above water, and sometimes when they got closer to shore, they kind of went further down, uh-huh. and maybe that's why it's submerged. But yeah, the the little breathing apparatus straw, they came above water when everybody else came above water. Yeah. Doesn't Under, do real good to yeah, breathe no, water like can't, that. Can't breathe water. Well, you know, they may be able to because, you know, they were skeleton pirates at one point in time. That's true. Maybe they got used to, to breathing underwater, like yeah. how that worked. Not the other guys, though. And then we've already talked about some of the animal stuff, too, because I really like the fact that as the the gang is gathering for their Sal Fang meeting, Verbinski, Rossio, Elliot, whoever it was, they didn't overlook Jack the Monkey and Cotton's parrot. Yeah. Because they're all part of the plan. And they have like an equally spotlighted entrance, just like everybody else does. Maybe even more so because theirs is to music. Theirs actually informs the other team. That it's time that it's okay to start doing their start trying to file through, saw yeah. through the bars. Yeah, they're actually a pretty big, big component part, yeah. of that. It all how do they teach you, Cotton's parrot to notify? Well, Cotton's parrot speaks for Cotton, so it's oh, like having eyes. Oh, that's true, eye. but they but, work together. That's true. You, but you're hinging your entire plan on, a on Jack the monkey, that traitorous little bastard, yeah. Jack the monkey, and Cotton's parrot. Yeah. I mean, let's just hope Jack the monkey, though, isn't typecasted as an organ grinder monkey coming up. <laughs> Poor little guy. We are brought to you this week by Urban Bird Foundation. Start conserving birds in your community today at urbanbird.org shop. Make a symbolic owl adoption for yourself or a friend and help grassroots bird conservation and wildlife rescues. I know many of you are wondering just why in the blooming cockroaches I'm talking about Urban Bird Foundation on a show about Pirates of the Caribbean. But come on, have you seen what Cotton's parrot has gone through? Chased by cannibals, weathered the kraken, avoided cannon explosions, and even miraculously survived a trip back underwater from Davy Jones's locker. Clearly, Pirates of the Caribbean need some bird love. You can give birds a helping hand, mateys. You know you can't have a Disney pirate without a bird. So save a pirate by saving birds at urbanbird.org shop. Urban Bird Foundation. Birds. People. Communities. Now, I don't want to go too deep into the the street organs here. You know, that's what they're called, those organs. They're street organs. They're not organ grinders? No, the person turning it it's is an the organ grinder. grinder. Yeah. Oh, okay. But if you want more details about street organs and organ grinders, the you people behind it, you can check out our new podcast, Grinding My Organ. Got it. <laughs> that way, it'll give you all the information. So check it out on Apple Podcasts, Grinding My Organ. Um, okay, I'll give you a little tease anyways. It's a taste of the seedy underbelly of street organs. And even freaking 
had ties to the mob. Yes. Really? I just blew your mind, and I hope I blew everybody else's mind out there. Yes. Organ grinders, organ street organs, they had ties to the freaking mob. Wow. Yeah. How? Oh, I'll get there. Okay. Again, I can plug my In the podcast, podcast or during no, this I'll, podcast? No, I'll do it this one. That okay. one's a whole different ball game. Oh, okay. You know, grinding that's my organ. That's actually grinding my organ. Yeah, that's the new podcast. It fits nicely with our portfolio, you know, at the table yeah. at the Donner Party, our food podcast. But anyways. I think I know what the name of this uh, show is going to be. Which one? This one. Grinding this my episode. organ. <laughs> <laughs> that is. I hadn't thought about that yet. But yeah, Grinding My Organ just may be the uh, title episode. But the first description of the street organ that... That they were called barrel organs because it was constructed of a pinned cylinder or a barrel that was used to operate levers and play notes. And so this first popped up in literature as early as the 18th century. So it has a loose fit with our Pirates of the Caribbean timeline. So Mm. loosely there, we'll call it uh, good, you know. But as you might guess, because of cartoons and movies and things that have stereotyped organ grinders yes has kind of an italian flair italian organ builders who had settled in france and germany got these things a rolling with popularity way back in the day and the concept is that wooden bass pipes were placed underneath the organ and on the front were often mounted kind of in this uh with a set like a set of pan flutes or piccolo pipes with decorative finishes okay yeah and in many towns in europe the barrel street organ was not just a solo performer but it started by Kind of a group of musicians. It's like musicians and jujitsu have come together. (laughs) Mujitsus. And so they would karate chop and do all that kind of stuff. Anyways, a group of musicians as part of our storytelling or part of a storytelling street act. Together with brightly colored posters and sing-along sessions. So it's kind of like a, a play, if you will. Yeah. A street play. And in New York City... There was such a massive influx of Italian immigrants that led to a situation where by 1880, get this, nearly one in 20 Italian men in certain areas of New York were organ grinders. One in freaking 20 were organ grinders. Wow. I mean, what in the hell? Now that's a viral trend before social media. Yeah. I mean, seriously. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. Hence, the mob tie-in. Also in New York, you know, where monkeys were commonly used by organ grinders to dance and get, you know, yeah. collect people's donations, yeah. that kind of stuff. Mayor LaGuardia, famous for his <laughs> building his airport, <laughs> banned the instruments. Okay, he didn't really build the airport. It's just named after him. Anyways, he banned the instruments from the streets. So no more organ grinding, he says, in 1935 because it was citing there's a lot of traffic congestion because of it. Uh, there was a lot of begging that was inherent with the profession, you know. Oh yeah, of course. Like that. That's what you did it for. And the mob's role in renting out the machines to people. Really? The mob controlled the organs That's that were weird. going out the street organ trade. That's weird. You think you'd buy your organ though? What the hell? I mean, and the, the monkey that goes with it. The little-known story of organized crime with street organs, right there. You got to buy your monkey and your organ from the mob. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. Who would have thought? That's why they opened Vegas, though. LaGuardia outlawed the organs, and the organ grinders had no jobs, and they're like, what do we do now? Slot machines? So then they open up Vegas. That was their next money-making venture. But yeah, mob tie-in with organ grinders. That's weird. Yeah, and we get to see... Well, I mean, you can take a look. Jack the Monkey, you could tell he'd be just a a hell of a 
a boss to have to report back to on your organ success yeah. for the day, your organ grinding success. Yeah. I mean, he'd won at least 20%, if not <sighs> more, more. than that. That guy? Yeah. That guy's a little bastard. You know it. <laughs> he is. He's so selfish. I can just tell. Then we also, uh, we've been intentionally holding out on the talk about pirates in this uh, super secret yet to be revealed location that we and uh, our Pirates of the Caribbean friends find themselves these days. And since we are uh, waiting for the official reveal to get into all this stuff, I ended up on a different topic that I felt the need to point out. It's based on all this minute stuff and actually has a tie into what we've just been talking about. Because besides the Orkin grinding monkey, the... uh, abusing little monkeys to to peddle for and beg for change we get an obvious bird trade thing popping up here oh yeah with the mysterious dude and before i go into that i mean i love the subterfuge show mystery element that we see with this guy he's like it's like a creepy camera tight zoom on his face it's like reiterating the idea that fang has his henchmen and spies everywhere yeah and he kind of does a weird head tilt the guy who's pushing the organ cart isn't that tia dalma that's not Tia Dalma. That's Tia Dalma. Are you sure? Oh, yeah. Well, blow me down. That's Tia Dalma. Are you sure? Yes. I need to look at the... I'm very sure it's Tia Dalma. Did you Dalma. look it up? No. I looked at her. Are you sure? Because it doesn't yeah. look like her. It's Tia Dalma. Well, Are you, you can sure? only see the lower part of her face. Are you sure? Because then that yeah, would be... Yeah, because you can see her makeup going down her face. Look at her teeth. Oh, I didn't look at the it's teeth. Tia Dalma. Are we sure? Yes. Oh, that would be cool if it is. It is. How did I miss that then? I don't know, but remember Tia Dalma's with them. Yeah, she is with them. So it's her. Maybe it is her. It is her. Did you look this up and verify this or is this no, fake news? It's me. I looked at her. Uh, maybe we need to look that it's up. It's her. After due diligence and checking, it kind of looks like her. And I'll say that maybe it is her actually then. Not maybe. Because I did see dreadlocks when I paused it and really studied it. It's hard to see the eyes, though, but you can't just go by teeth alone, though. I mean, teeth, everybody, I've already said the dental hygiene thing is, is a real issue out here. The mouth looks like hers. It's a makeup. I said it, it may be very well be. Kind of looks like it. I didn't notice that. I guess I didn't analyze and scrutinize enough on the first go round. Ha ha! Does it say officially somewhere that's her? Or did you just saying that I didn't analyze and scrutinize enough? I'm saying you didn't analyze and scrutinize enough. That's possible. So then I guess everything I just said about the henchman is still accurate, but not accurate in this thing. But which would make sense because she's out there with them. Here you go. Found it. The newest member of the crew, Mystic Tia Dalma, is disguised nearby as a common hawker. There you go. So she's the one. Where'd you get that from? This is from the, the wiki. Wikipedia. Yeah. Pirate wiki? Yes. Oh, well, there you go. So it is her. I didn't, I didn't, I couldn't tell. Oh, I could. Well, apparently you have a better facial recognition AI than I do. There you go. Exactly. Well, that's why we need to bring this stuff. Finally, something comes out of that. There we go. Okay. Plus, common sense tells you it's her. Well, I thought that... Well, I didn't think about it that way, but it would make sense because, yeah, she's there. Because everybody else is there. Yeah, and she needed a grand instance, too. And Because that was my next question, is why were they going to be zooming in on this guy that we don't really know? The only one that's not there is Will. Yeah. And they discussed Will. Well, Will we discussed. We know that. I'm just saying that was my question as a lead up to all of this when I was saying that they zoom in on the creepy dude. Poor Tia. Now Tia is creepy. Creepy dude. (laughs) Tia is the creepy dude. 
is I was wondering why the they I was like, why are they holding on this person and zooming in? Well, now I know. <laughs> Creep, yeah. Creepy dude is Tia Dolma. Yeah, I'm like, boy, they've really given this guy quite the shine on the screen here <laughs> with this kind of hidden face. Well, that makes more sense now. I've yeah. been enlightened. Yeah. I've been shown my place. But I was more concerned with the organ grinder and the damn uh, bird trade than I was with who was pushing that cart. Because I thought, hey, maybe it's one of their spies or maybe the Jack the Monkey has persuaded this organ. Like, hey, you know, you give me and my parrot friend a ride, I'll grind, help grind this organ for you. And then you can just sit back. That makes more sense. I mean, I don't like it's like we were saying, I don't want to spoil the location. And this is where I was originally going before I mentioned creepy Tia Dalma now. But this is kind of something that we do for our day job stuff, and I couldn't let it go. And I've talked about CITES before. It's the Convention on International Trade in Endangered Species of Wildlife, Fauna, and Flora. flora. Whatever. Yeah. Anyways, this place, Singapore, what? Just say, has you been can't a, say where we're at. Has been a major international transshipment hub for the global threatened bird industry. That's mm-hmm. one thing. And. It's driving many of the bird populations down, which is just incredible. And a paper released last year from Cambridge detailed how Southeast Asia's bird trade is of global conservation concern and has massively depleted wild populations of many species like parrots, which are especially vulnerable because they are the most heavily traded group of birds globally, which is crazy, especially considering... How many of these birds have been domesticated or in domestic hands for breeding purposes that were still out there collecting wild birds is just blows my mind. Yeah. And then so. All ours have been domesticated and they're all been hatched. So that's that's the here. thing. It's, it's this <laughs> wild trade. I mean, because most pets have been domesticated at this point and yeah. there's nothing you can do about that. But taking animals from the wild, definitely not, not a good thing. Uh, the moral of the story, don't buy wild birds caught. From shady pirate organ grinders, even if that shady person is Tia Dalma. Cotton's <laughs> parrot, free your brothers and sisters, man. Come on, step up to the plate here. Exactly. Years into the future, pirates will prevail. Finally, we've conquered death. All our worries gone. Every night, our souls will rest till the break of dawn. And the ship sails on, back into beyond. Over again, when I sing the song, this my home. Until the end, centuries across the sea is not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Captain Blood on and on eternally. With a life of piracy, hail the curse of Gilmecky and hail Captain Blood. And then I also found something that was interesting is the Sumerians, which is the oldest civilization known to have kept written records, had a word, Sabura. Which was birdcage. Oh, really? So even the Sumerians. That's how long peeps have been keeping birds. Back to the Sumerians, which is pretty crazy. And then according to the Journal of Avian Medicine and Surgery, I was doing a little light reading the other day instead of paying attention to who was pushing that street organ. In the late 1700s and early 1800s, the peddling of American songbirds was a normal part of the vivid city market scene. And rural working class men and children opportunistically trapped birds for this marketplace to sell. Yeah. So there you go. And then my last comment is let's meet Sal Fang. I mean, for one thing. Okay. My almost last comment. Which leads to my last comment. According to the top Google search with no actual verification. So this could be fake news or whatever. But Google told me. At least it popped up on the first search. Maybe I'm spreading lies. Damn those lies. 
The phrase, if you switch the name, Fang Sao, okay, not Sao Fang, yeah. Fang Sao, means charming. When Chinese say, Ni Zhen Fang Sao, it actually means, oh, how charming you are. Oh, really? Yeah. So that's the tease that we're here on, is Sao Fang charming. Is he charming? Is he Barbosa charming? Let's see if we find out on Friday's episode, <laughs> episode six. <laughs> Will Sao Fang be, be charming? charming? Yeah. Hmm. That's where I'm ending things. I don't know. Do you have anything else? I do. Okay. I have a little bit of information on the set. Oh, okay. So it's it is actually constructed at Universal Studios. It's 40 individual structures. Really? Yep. It's built on top of a, uh, it's built on top of an 80 foot by 130 foot tank. Oh, really? No yeah. kidding. It's comprised of a harbor with Southeast Asian thatched huts, houses mm-hmm. built on stilts, and a swath of Fable City itself. Wow, that's crazy. There's also a marketplace and a vast bathhouse with a low roof workhouse underneath where workers are kept keep the water heated with a large furnace. But we haven't seen that stuff yet. How dare you bring that to us? You I just, would no. I was just telling you, you just about the scene. Me I was just telling that, you about oh, the scene. How it comes back to haunt you. No, I was telling you about the. That's about crazy. The That's a cool structure. set. <laughs> yeah, the set. I didn't tell you where it was at. Okay, there you go. Even though you busted that. Oh, and I do what I do. It's ridiculous. What else you got? That's it. That's it. Yeah. Just the set. Yeah. Just a little okay. bit of information what was on the, the set. What was the stats again? It was what? What do you mean? How big was it? It's built on top of an 80-foot by 130-foot tank. It's 40 individual structures. Okay, that's it. I just was curious about the tank size. That's pretty crazy. And it's constructing at Universal Studios. I'll have to see if I can round up a photo of that tank at some point. Yes. Okay. Maybe in the book I found this information in. then let's share that stuff, Beast. Talking about uh, creepy dudes. Or Tia Dalma. Or Tia Dalma. Thanks for listening, Scallywags. The message to the listeners there. We're found all over the podcatcher world from Apple Podcasts to iHeartRadio. You want to avoid a good old keel haul? Perhaps you can leave us a positive review. It's always good to hear from everyone, and reviews help us grow the show. Plus, we greatly appreciate it. Have a question or comment? Give us a call at 8637-PIRATE. We just might play your voicemail on the show. You can also give us a shout at podcast at blackpearlshow.com. And don't forget to give us a like on Facebook. All the links are at the blackpearlshow.com website. It is that freaking easy. And of course... You know what we're doing. We're delivering Pirates of the Caribbean info to the masses as the dirty, freaking, filthy bilge rats we are. Analyzing, scrutinizing, and plundering those blockbuster pirate films. Until then, scallywags, let's keep the horns swoggling to a minimum. Discovery to yourself. And don't forget to hang the bastard. I still gotta bring it up. I might have that. That's my new motto. Maybe for the rest of the season. <laughs> hang the bastard. Where's my rum? No, where's my... Yeah, we'll go. across the sea is not enough for me. All I want is to be free and hail Captain Blood. On and on eternally. What life of piracy. Hail the curse of Gilmanky and hail Captain Blood. Hail Captain Blood. Hail Captain been listening to the black pearl show and we appreciate it scallywags pirates don't need no stinking disclaimers but just for fun i think all you dirty filthy bildrats know that disney and bruckheimer films have no affiliation with us at all and we have none with those blooming cockroaches 
We talk about Pirates of the Caribbean, which is their property, and all that other fun stuff. But I think it's obvious what's ours and what's theirs. There's no need to blur the lines or stir up a bloody rum-filled sweat. As for the music, that's with permission or licensed under Creative Commons. So let's give a shout-out to Six Nail Coffin, Tommy Wynn, and to the incredible pirate band Black Bones. The rest, well, that's just me. Oh, and maybe Heather. This is a Shout Reach Media Production.